coffee isn't just a drink, it's who you are. We are Little Green Hive, and we're here to serve that perfect cup of coffee made just for you. We're women-owned and locally sourced. Our mission is to provide the best product for our customers, as well as strengthen our community. From fair trade coffees and teas, to breakfast, lunch, and smoothies, we have everything you need to start your day off right. Now featuring our summer drinks. Come visit us in downtown Roanoke, Grandin Village, and Daleville Town Center, Little Green Hive, because coffee is personal. Hey, it's Leanna. Before we get to the episode, we want to take a second to thank you for listening. The fact that you chose this episode out of the millions of podcast episodes that are out there, that's pretty cool. We'd love it if you left us a review, subscribed, shared us with a friend. And if there's something you want to see us talk about on Hometown Stories, just let us know. Send an email to hometownstories at wdbj7.com. Okay, now let's settle in for today's episode. The mountains around Eagle Rock, Virginia, were the backdrop to the early life of a man you've probably never heard of, but whose name a community hopes you now won't forget. And let's be honest at the outset, Norvell Lee is not Bonneton County's most famous son. He's just not. But he should be. He should be. It was on a late July day in 1952. Norval Lee, the boxer, made history in Helsinki. He was the first Black Virginian to win an Olympic gold medal. But back home, it was in the courts where Lee would pack another punch. I never knew that so much had gone into his journey. Um, He was just jovial, man of few words, grandpa. In this episode of Hometown Stories, we're stepping back to a summer's day when Badatot's most famous son was given his due credit. It's a mistake of the past, but today we fix it. We set Norval Lee on the path of full recognition for his, his athleticism, his humanity, and his character. It's hard to imagine what Norval Lee might have made of the gathering of both people who knew him in life and those who only made his acquaintance in death. All right, I'm just winging it, so bear with me. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. It's September 17th, 2022, and Tiffany Eiler finds herself behind a shaded podium on this hot afternoon in front of a group of smiling faces. She's in a clearing off to the side of Route 220, the road her grandfather traversed as a young man going from his family farm near Eagle Rock to Botetot's segregated schools in Fincastle. We just really thank you all so much. This is really a, a precious moment for us, um, just to hear all the accolades and things that we never even knew growing up. To us, he was just grandpa, you know. Um, so thank you. Thank you very much. Tiffany is Norval Lee's second oldest granddaughter. On this day, she's traveled from her home in Nome, Alaska for a ceremony in his honor. Absolutely amazing. Overwhelmed, overcome with emotions. It's just, it's absolutely amazing. 
Just down the road, Tiffany and I find relief from the sun in the Eagle Rock Library Cafe, where she runs over the itinerary of her busy weekend. So seeing him get this recognition and being in his, in his hometown, seeing where he grew up, it, it's overwhelming. It's, uh, it's emotional. It's, it's just amazing. It really is. It really, really is. Her grandfather, Norval Lee, was born September 22, 1924, and raised in these mountains during the Jim Crow era. But Lee had sights set beyond county lines. After earning high marks as a student at the Academy Hill School in Fincastle, Lee joined the military and trained as a Tuskegee Airman. A pronounced stammer kept him from the skies, but it was at Howard University, a prestigious historically black university, where he really soared. Lee took up boxing, and it took him to the Olympics. In 1952, at the 15th Olympiad, Lee and the light heavyweight class brought home gold from Helsinki, making him the first black Virginian to do so. He also brought home the Val Barker Trophy, earning the title of best boxer at the Olympics, beating fellow Olympian Floyd Patterson for the honor. But a few years earlier, while on a trip home to Eagle Rock in 1948, after serving as an alternate at the London Olympics, Lee found himself in the crosshairs of the Jim Crow South. He was arrested and fined for riding in the whites-only section of a train car. Lee took his tenacity from the ring to the courtroom, fighting the arrest. When asked by a prosecutor why he wouldn't change seats, Lee simply said he didn't think it was necessary. In 1949, Virginia's Supreme Court overturned the charge, landing Lee with another win and a landmark civil rights case. But his family didn't know any of that. To us, he was just grandfather. You know what I'm saying? He was just grandpa. Um, I didn't know anything about the accolades, the Jim Crow, the nothing. He was, he was just grandpa. Lee won numerous Golden Gloves titles and medaled in the Pan American Games. In 1991, he retired after decades of government service and youth mentorship. He died in 1992 from pancreatic cancer. It was a life well-lived, and one that writer Ken Conklin saw fit to fixate on. Oh, I'm feeling so pleased with how everything uh, went on and uh, the turnout and all the support from the entire community. It's just very exhilarating. Ken's journey with Norville's story starts several years earlier, in 2016. His wife handed him an article in the Fincastle Herald, penned by Edwin McCoy, which was prompted by research collected by Judy Barnett, who collected African-American history of the county. It was an article highlighting Lee in honor of the ongoing Rio Olympics. After reading the article, Ken researched Norval Lee, but didn't find much from his Google searches at the time. But a comment on a boxing blog led to an email, which led him on the adventure of a lifetime. You would have never known if Ken hadn't done the research that he had done and, and just kept with the, the way he just, he stuck with it, you know, um, and made the world of a difference. Ken connected with Lee's family online and began to dive deeper into his life and work, bringing to the surface stories and connections the family never knew. To Dona, a great-grandchild of Norval Lee, the revelations 
were huge. I think it's been pretty enlightening, honestly. I mean, he passed several years before I was born, so originally I pretty much only knew, you know, some stories that I had heard from family members. I mean, I was vaguely aware that he was a boxer and that he was a teacher, uh, but not much beyond that. But as um, as my mom and my other relatives have been working with Ken on this book, I've been hearing more things about his life and the things that he did. Um, and so I think it's been very enlightening for me to learn more about my great-grandfather and the things that he experienced and who he was, and I, I think I'm very inspired by that. In 2020, Ken publishes an article in the Roanoke Times on what he's learned about Lee. That article was the basis for a book he then published titled Norval. It's a culmination of the stories, the research, and the life that Norval Lee built. And that's when Botetot County really started taking notice. In 2021, Dwayne Yancey, a former writer for the Roanoke Times, penned an article advocating for a historical marker for Lee. Local historian Pastor Nelson Harris picked up the ball and eventually submitted an application for a marker to Virginia's Department of Historic Resources. The state historical marker is but one way we can truly and literally mark our admiration for the historical significance and the legacy of Norvell Lee. All that work led to this September day, where Norvell's family and his hometown unite to honor him. And let's be honest at the outset, Norvell Lee is not Bonneton County's most famous son. He's just not, but he should be, he should be. Botetourt supervisor Steve Clinton takes to the podium. Just beyond him, the historical marker stands covered, awaiting its unveiling. And for a variety of, frankly, inadequate reasons, and I'm looking at you, Jim Crow, we're approximately a half a century late in doing this, but today we carry on the essential process of recognizing Mr. Lee as Bonitat's most famous son. This is deserved not just because of his athleticism in the boxing arena, it's deserved because of his humanity in life's arena. For Ken Conklin, the ceremony wasn't the goal he defined at the outset of his writing, but a very welcome result. It is satisfying, it's very satisfying. And more than that, it is for the, the family. I've, I've been in touch with the family since the, since the, you know, starting it out, and to see what this means to them. So to, to write something that makes a difference in family members' lives and other lives is very, you know, very satisfying. Makes me want to write again. I asked Tiffany what she thought her grandfather would make of the celebration. He would probably not be, I mean, he, I don't think he would be a fan of all the hoopla. Um, but I think that he would be proud um, that his story has come to light. I think he would be proud, but I don't think he would enjoy all the hoopla. He was, he was a quiet, quiet strength, yeah. At the library, Tiffany has placed in a display case several mementos from her grandfather's life, including his Olympic gold medal. It's a treasure, to be sure, but it could never hold the same value as the memories she carries with her always. He was just jovial, man, a few words, grandpa, you know, um, 
but it's that quiet strength that I miss. You know, I was telling a lot of people some of my best times were growing up on Sycamore or him taking us to Massanutten and Ocean City every summer. Like, those are my greatest times. Like, we didn't have names. We were just granddaughter. Granddaughters, you know what I'm saying? Or he would teach us how to swim, and we'd be hanging on to the edge of the pool, and he'd be like, kick, granddaughters, kicking. We'd be just kicking our little hearts out. We wanted just to make Grandpa happy. That was just... He was our world, you know? Um, so outside of the accolades, it's just remembering those memories and being overwhelmed that everybody's coming to celebrate him and, and this big monument dedicated in his honor. It's, it's, it's overwhelming, but in a good way. Throughout the weekend, Ken also gave Tiffany a tour of Norval Lee's early life. He took her to the rural neighborhood in which he grew up, the church where he worshipped, and the cemetery where her great-grandmother is buried. That was overwhelming, like, wow, this is this is great-grandma. You know, that's my first time. And I'm like, hey, great-grandma. I, it, it was emotional for me as well I, uh, to, to see that, that, that after, after all this time, they've known the story, we, they've, they've uh, become friends of mine, and to know that uh, we've had an impact on their lives like that, and it was emotional for me as well. Tiffany's cousin, Danielle, was also in town for the big day. For her, Norval's story may begin in Botetot, but she hopes that's not where it ends. It is like him to be the type of person to have this recognition. It is definitely deserved. Um, but it is, again, it's quite humbling to, to know that's, you know, that's my grandpa. And I feel really um, proud to be part of the legacy. Uh, and, and to help move it forward. He walked with kings. His cohorts included Presidents Eisenhower, Nixon, and Kennedy. He associated with Rocky Marciano, Joe Lewis, Floyd Patterson, who was his protege, and countless Olympian athletes from around the world. He formed friendships with foreign diplomats heads of state in South Africa, senior military officers, and the business and government leaders of the District of Columbia. Those are the lofty circles that Norval ran in. Those are the kings that he walked with. But what's remarkable is he never lost the common touch. He returned periodically here to Gala to help his father and his siblings collect firewood or to work the fields. And in one case, to show his future wife the falls over, just, just over the ridge here at, uh, at Roaring Run. For his entire adult life, he was just a regular guy carrying on a weekly pinochle game with his friends. He was offered $10,000 on the spot to turn pro. And he said, nope, that's not what I want to do. I want to work in education and I want to work with youth. I want to impact lives. The impact Norval made extended to the hundreds of young people he mentored in D.C. area gyms. He went on a goodwill trip to Western Africa with the ambassador to Senegal. He was invited to the White House and remained a doting father and grandfather. All things his hometown had failed to recognize until today. It's a mistake of the past, but today we fix it. 
We set Norval Lee on the path of full recognition for his, his athleticism, his humanity, and his character. I close with a fervent hope, a hope that today is just the beginning, that, that the county will continue to identify ways to elevate Norval Lee in the hearts and minds of our citizens and to make his name inseparable from Botetourt County. Through the efforts of Delegate Terry Austin, Virginia's legislature also voted on a bill renaming the section of the highway, the Norval LaFollette Ray Lee Highway. I thank you for the privilege and honor. And we do a lot of things in Richmond, and not all of them I perceive to be as honorable as this. This is truly a historical moment for Botetourt County and Virginia in recognizing a true Virginia gentleman. So thank you all. Finally, as the anticipation builds, Tiffany joins the delegate and Ken and Steve Clinton and Nelson Harris and other family members, and together they lift the cover off the marker. There are smiles and there are also tears. Tiffany takes a step back, one hand on the marker, another on her heart. The marker has Norval's name in big, bold letters with a brief summary of his life. Tiffany and Danielle and Dona and Ken all say they want more people to know about Norval Lee. They hope one day for a movie or a miniseries showcasing his life and his legacy. What is your greatest hope for your grandpa's story? That his story will come to light. Um, not just in Botetourt County, not just in the Commonwealth of Virginia, that his light, will, his story will come to light nationwide, that he will be recognized um, for his accomplishments and his achievements. I don't want his legacy to be on the back burner. Is there something that you're, you'd want to ask him with all this information that you have now or something you'd want to tell him with all this information you have now? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I wouldn't change a thing. I wish I had more time, but I wouldn't change a thing. Next week on the Hometown Stories podcast, we're talking migraines. Have you ever had a migraine? I did once, and it was rough. But it got me wondering, how do my friends with chronic migraines manage? What better understanding do we have about migraines, how they're triggered, and how we can treat them? We're talking with a local family nurse practitioner who answers your questions. That's next week on the Hometown Stories podcast. Hometown Stories is a production of WDBJ7 in Roanoke, Virginia. This episode was written and produced by me, Leanna Scacchetti, and edited by Ben Roquelmi. We'll see you next time. Hometown Stories is sponsored by Little Green Hive, because coffee is personal. Locations in downtown Roanoke, Daleville, and Grandin. 